Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. You know, we're a listener-supported outreach of Be Broken Ministries, and we exist to help individuals and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and also equip others to do the same. You know, recovery from any addiction is really difficult, and there are so many stages and layers to the process. And it's easy to become overwhelmed and wonder if there's any hope of what the ultimate goal is in recovery. My guest today is Zach Ellis. He's the director of new programs at the Nathan Project, a ministry whose mission is to engage, equip, and encourage Christian families struggling with pornography, sexual brokenness, and addiction. Zach shares how he got into this space of ministry and some key elements of recovery that are vital for true transformation, and that's freedom, identity, and creativity. He talks of freedom as both a breaking and a building and how this two-sided aspect of freedom leads to deeper meaning and purpose. He shares of the importance of identity and the value of listening. And finally, Zach shares some insights around the need for exploring and expressing creativity as part of recovery. To learn more about the Nathan Project, visit nathanproject.net. To learn more about Zach and his photography, visit zachellisphotography.com. For even more resources, visit BeBroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And friends, we would sure love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening, just so it will help others to find it. All right, let's dive into today's conversation with Zach. Well, all right, Zach Ellis, welcome to the program. Hey, Jonathan, really great to be here with you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um you know, our our ministries actually have been connected in various ways for many years. Uh, uh, Rick Cardos, uh, you know, is I've known him for many, many years at the Nathan Project. And um, and now you're doing work with them. And so before we get in our conversation today that really sort of uh, revolves around freedom and purpose and identity and even one little aspect of that creativity that I'm really excited to talk about. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of of who you are, kind of how you've gotten into the space of ministry and what and what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so currently I reside in beautiful New England on the uh, southern portion of the state of New Hampshire, uh, although I originally grew up um, all the way out in the Midwest in northern Wisconsin, uh, where my father was and still is the executive director of a, of a kind of um, large and well-known Christian camp and conference center and a, a Bible school. And so I grew up in kind of the dynamic space of ministry and lots of people and things happening indoor and outdoor life. And 
um, since growing up there, I've been um, kind of all over the country, uh, lived in Chicago and went to Moody Bible Institute for my undergrad, uh, served as a youth pastor for a brief period of time, and, and now find myself uh, out here in New England, back in school in the midst of a master's program, uh, studying for, uh, for counseling and, uh, and, and currently serving within the Nathan Project as well. Yeah, um, share a little bit about how you got connected to the Nathan Project because you know this is a very specific area of ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so all of those things that I just said, they also come with the layer of of reason and purpose for why. Yeah, now I'm connected with Nathan Project. So, in and amongst my time growing up within ministry and kind of in a sense like on stage in front of hundreds and thousands of people that were coming to that camp throughout the year. Um, I had my own secrets and struggles along the way, and and one of those primary ones being uh, pornography from an early age, from from in junior high, kind of moving forward. So that was uh, that was my secret and and my shame for for a number of years um, from that early age moving forward, and something that I carried with me throughout high school and into um, into my early adult years, even through. Uh, when I was going to Moody and even after as working as a youth pastor and was a significant part of um, why I resigned from my position as a youth pastor after one short year of time in ministry, having come to a place of of depression and anxiety, hopelessness and um, just separation from people, from community and from purpose. And so fast forward from that point of resigning from my position as a youth pastor um, that really kind of began the journey of, of discovery and integration and, and understanding for how did I end up in this place? Um, and so when I say fast forward, I mean jumping forward a couple of years where I moved out to New England, kind of looking for fresh start. And, um, and as I walked into the, the first church on my list, a short list of about three places, um, Rick Cardos was one of those first people that I, that I met. You know, you could say, by chance or by accident, I'm sure that God has had His hand all over it. You know the the guy who um, the guy who came from from my background in history to to be meeting Rick, a, a ministry leader in this space, dealing specifically with sexual integrity and addiction and recovery, and so that began our relationship in a very personal way. He invited me into a group um, to what we call a four men only group where. Week by week, we were working through materials, and, and I was learning in that space to be honest within community, to learn how to understand and to tell my story. And so much work and formation was happening at that time and has continued moving forward, where from that personal relationship over these last now six years, um, our relationship has involved, has evolved, I should say, into, into a working and collaborative one as I now serve at the Nathan Project, uh, working with individuals who are who are now in that same position that I was in years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful to see how kind of there's supposed to be this multiplying effect, right? Or this redemptive component to uh, recovery. Now, when we talk about recovery, especially in the space of, um, uh, you know, sexual addiction and that kind of stuff, uh, you know, one word that gets used a lot when guys are coming into this space is we talk about freedom right? We want to talk about breaking free and becoming free. Um, how do you think most guys think of what that term means at the front end of recovery? Like when they're just first stepping in, 
and they hear somebody says, hey, this is an environment where we're wanting to help you break free. We're wanting you help to help you experience freedom. How do you think most guys interpret that word freedom at first? Mm, that's such a great question. Even in the language, when you say break free, it brings to mind different categories that we live with. You know, part of my journey journey of recovery and restoration, it's taken, you know, a, a variety of directions. Um, not only was pornography in and a part of my life as kind of the primary piece, but also substance abuse. And so I found myself in spaces like anonymous meetings and celebrate recovery and now FMO meetings. And so all that to say, I've kind of tasted the many flavors uh, in from the, the the world of recovery and our language of breaking breaking free. Um, it really does. I think it, it lends itself to this kind of division where for a season in the beginning stages of our, of our recovery, and I can't stress enough, the absolutely essential season of, of, of recovery is really focused on freedom from. So this removal of habits, this breaking free from, this removal, this this kind of creating space. Um, but we don't often talk about the kind of next step in terms of freedom, going from a posture of freedom from into a posture of freedom for. So even that language kind of inherently there of breaking free, so much of our focus in a sense be, is about breaking and severing and, and disconnecting from. But we need, I think, to also be be cultivating an understanding and a posture towards building. So going from breaking and into building, um, I think about that a lot. And, and, and I have thought about that a lot over the years, how for, for much of the early season of recovery in my life, the primary focus was really around that, that category of freedom from. And we say, mm -hmm. absolutely essential and necessary. There's no bypassing or, or you know, skipping ahead of that step, but there also does come a point, I think, for everybody where uh, we've 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 thank God through grace and mercy, patience and hard work in community, we create a space on which we then begin to build and and create a vision for the future ahead. So, yeah, yeah. What do you what do you think happens? And I think some of us have uh, some challenges along the way of making that transition. Um, what do you think happens when guys get stuck in only the freedom from thinking regarding recovery? Mm. Well, another great question. I'm sure there's more categories, um, but I, I can think of at least a couple. You know, maybe for some, there's a hesitancy to do some of the difficult, uncomfortable and vulnerable work that is kind of required and necessary in that initial season of freedom from exploring our wounds, our traumas, our misperceptions, our, our assumptions and expectations, um, all of that work entirely, entirely necessary, as messy and uncomfortable as it can be. So perhaps for some people, we remain stuck in a sense in that position because that because we're we're unable or unwilling to push into those areas first before we can even think about a future. We just want to kind of jump ahead into the good stuff. Um, that might be one area that I see both in my own life and in many of the men that I work with, this desire to kind of skip ahead or skip past. Maybe another way of looking at it is um, we, we can feel this, the weight of responsibility, thinking that we have to be the creators of our own world, that we have to be the ones who determine the, the work that we might do in the future. Um, and that can be a really overwhelming prospect to think, well, now I've I've done so much of this work, and in a sense, I've created 
space, um, space mentally, physically, and emotionally to be thinking about what comes ahead. I've almost kind of reclaimed so much energy, energy and capacity. And now the question becomes, well, what do I now do with this energy? How do I channel and purpose this? Because otherwise it's just kind of sitting there screaming to be utilized. And in a sense, it can almost burn us up when we don't know what to give that over to. And so that also can be, I think, really a difficult position to be in, uh, maybe in particular in our world today where whether we're aware of it or not, so much of the language and the commentary that we're saturated in is one of meaninglessness. It's like there's really no underlying or undergirding purpose, value, meaning to anything. And so if you gain that sense of freedom and capacity, but don't have a way of grounding that into a foundation much bigger than just yourself and your own opinion, I think it's really easy to languish in that space and and reach back towards those things that we know that we know didn't do us any good, but they at least offer some sense of control. If I, if I do this, if I watch this, if I engage with this, I know that I can at least produce an outcome that's expected, that's in a sense kind of reliable. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, as as you're talking, I'm hearing you kind of uh, sort of paint a picture and frame uh, recovery in a way that says, you, you know, the end game here is actually about uh, purpose. It's actually about identity. Um, why do you think it's important that we set the target properly versus what many guys come into recovery thinking it's just about modifying behavior? Why is it important that you have this larger vision towards purpose and identity and meaning versus just saying, hey, let's help you get off porn or stop having affairs? Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I when I look back on the, the way in which I was raised, um, some of the language that was used in my church and even within my family and the people that we spent time with, I don't think that it was ever intentional or purposeful, but as I look back on it now, I see this theme of a kind of Christian nihilism, a kind of like almost describing life in the here and now as this cosmic waiting room where we're anticipating heaven to come. And in the meantime, just try not to do too many bad things or make too much of a mess, right? And and that was that was, and I think still is sometimes what we revert to. It's like we anticipate and look forward to heaven and glory and perfection to come, but at the cost of engagement in the present moment. And it leaves us kind of in this position of, well, what do I do besides kind of bide my time? It really isn't a very compelling um, or, or, or activating and encouraging vision. Um, and yet I think that's often what we, what we default to. So I began to recognize that really strongly in my own life that I had this burning desire for purpose and meaning and something to give myself over to, and yet didn't really know what that might be. And in the background, there was that narrative of, well, I'm really just kind of anticipating heaven and, and goodness to come on the other side of this. The, the two didn't mesh, but yet that's kind of those opposing worldviews that I had bouncing back and forth in my mind. So so to, I guess, bring it back to your question, um, creating a, a sense or maybe not creating, but as we look to what our creator has given us in our capacity as human beings to be co-creators along with him, there's an excitement, there's an, a sense of adventure, there's a playfulness, there's a, there's a call and, and an invitation into relationship that's inherent to 
to who we are as humans, looking all the way back even to the garden, um, into, into Genesis and the creation account where God certainly didn't have to invite Adam into this act. And yet he bestowed onto Adam the, 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 the call and the invitation to name the animals, this very like collaborative act that has a lot of like a lot an, an abundance of opportunity in it to think that God could have easily named every single one of the thousands of animals in creation. And yet he gave that not only responsibility, but opportunity to Adam as this way of saying, I want to do this with you. And I'm also, I, I can picture God with this posture of curiosity to see what his very creation might come up with and to, to joy in that. Um, so, you know, we could, we could take that example and apply that to our lives today in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So let's do that because, uh, you know, we were talking about this in a lot of, in, in, in some kind of lofty language, sort of philosophical, and this is all important, right? Cause we need to be, we need to be able to cast that vision that says, Hey guys, this isn't just about do this, this, and this. So you stop looking at porn. You need to lift your eyes up and see something that's much grander than just that, like modifying of behavior. Mm -hmm. But as guys are doing that, or as we're inviting guys to do that, what does this start to look like practically? Maybe even share from your own story. As you said, you, even in your own journey, you started realizing, Hey, this can't just be about not doing these bad things. Kind of that Christian nihilism type idea. What did that start looking like practically for you? How do you help men bring this to a practical aspect in terms of going from just freedom from to freedom for? Mm -hmm. Great question. You know, in very practical terms, there's a number of things that started to happen in my life. I remember a season that felt much like a stretch of kind of experimentation where thinking about this blank slate of opportunity and just kind of tossing ideas and uh, out there kind of almost auditioning with my friends and family. You know, I have this idea. Do you see this working well with who I am? Because you've got this out outside perspective into who I am. That's very kind of inherently a vulnerable act that at least it was in my experience where you're handing over to someone else with trust, a very meaningful question to say, I have desire towards purpose and to give myself to good work and enjoyable and fun and meaningful work, what do you see in me? Because you've had insight and perspective into my life that that I don't even have myself as I'm kind of, I'm rather close to me. You get to, so I had people that were giving me insights um, from the outside, family members, trusted friends, people within my church were in very practical terms, I would ask them those questions as simple as, what do you see uniquely in me that I can begin to develop and grow and, and deepen? Um, there were also, you know, thinking uh, again in practical terms. Um, what were those things that that came almost easily to me that I was easy to brush off and to almost kind of devalue or undervalue because it came almost like as something that flowed. Like, oh well, that's I had this assumption in many ways that if something was meaningful and purposeful, then it would also have to be hard or difficult, right? And so there came or some miserable, moments, right? Or <laughs> miserable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and there came some moments um, by no genius of my own, but from uh, my uncle, who is really a brilliant thinker in this way and helped me to see a number of things and and some other people as well who who were kind of helping me to pay attention to those things that I would do 
without being asked, without even thinking about it. It's almost like it comes so naturally to you that you are blind to it because you just do it because you do it because you do it. And in there, I think there's that, that, that if, we, if we can learn to pay attention to that and to invite others to help us see that, um, that holds a lot of, there, there's some significant keys there to seeing the ways that God has gifted us. So an example of that for me is um, I lend, even though I'm talking a lot here, typically my go-to is to be a listener, to be somebody who provides a platform for, for people to talk and not just in short little bits, but like to give somebody a half an hour, an hour of space to just kind of like, and maybe even like, you know, mentally purge what's on their mind and then get into their ideas, their passions um, to, to kind of create this space of receiving so that people have an opportunity to give over and then to process and think about potential. And it's just something I've always done ever since I was little, so much so that I didn't even think of it as something valuable. It's like, I just, that's just what I do. And I had people begin to recognize that and say, no, 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 no. This is very much a thing. This is not everybody's thing. Some people would hate to do this. And it's also a very necessary and beneficial thing to hand over to your fellow humanity within the community that you occupy. Yeah, so I'm hearing what you're saying, too, in terms of just the practical terms of, of being able to understand how to lean into that freedom for is, is on a very basic level, trying to go on a journey of discovering what what are you gifted at? What are the what are the talents or the skills, the gifts that God has given to you just by nature of you being you? Meaning like, I, I think some of these things, you know, sometimes we call it personality. We have different terms for it. Um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I've, I've had three kids. Um, and when, when all three of my children were in the womb, um, they had their personality mm. from that moment. It's like all three of them are distinctly different and they were distinctly different from, I believe, conception. <laughs> and so there's this sense in which I think our creator gifts us with these sort of what you're talking about, kind of these innate abilities or these innate things that are part of who we are. And I think what addiction does is it robs or it masks or it, it tampers down all of those gifts and what I'm hearing you say is, hey, recovery is an opportunity to start exploring that and understanding what that is. Now, I want you to tie that, though, to something that doesn't often get talked about enough in this whole discovery of purpose and meaning and all of that is creativity. You, you mentioned a little bit of it earlier about how, man, God has made us co-creators. He's made us these uh, incredible reflections of him. We are made in his image and therefore there is this creative capacity that we have as human beings. What does that look like in the recovery journey and why is it so important for people to go on a journey of exploring their creativity as part of their recovery? Mm. You know, I think of creativity in, in so many ways as this kind of rebellious act a rebellious in the most positive sense where re creativity so often comes up against this sense of production and efficiency and efficacy that we have, particularly in America, where if you're doing something, you're giving your time, talents and treasures towards it. Like we've got to have a bottom line involved. And that's really the only way that we know that it's actually meaningful and valuable. Whereas creativity, you know, to think about another kind of form of this, to think about recreation, like the things that we go and do for in terms of play, 
that that word, you break that apart, right? Now we're talking about recreation. So there is this sense of playfulness and kind of whimsy and enjoyment and adventure that comes into that spirit of recreation, recreation and creativity where we're coming at this from a posture of recreating in a sense or bringing, bringing heaven to earth calling back all the way back to the garden to the present day those things that we deeply long for that we that in this life we may not experience in their fullness but we know that we know that we're built for something more and the creative acts i think are those things that bring that into sharp focus in moments right now in very physical forms so to think about like the variety of arts that we have maybe in some ways in, in on our modern landscape now um it's easy to kind of brush off those creative endeavors as like, sure, it's a nice little hobby that you have on the side, but what meaning or good, you know, does it actually have in it? So to think about painting or, or, or music, or in my case for photography, you can hone in on that for, for me, it's really become photography has become this really big piece of my life over the last kind of six years, really at the beginning of of my recovery process, there was this, I'll say there was this burning desire and interest in this medium of, of photography, while at the same time, the voices in my head saying, what would be the good and purpose of doing this, you know, essentially kind of like frivolous thing, it's, it's going to take money and investment and time and resources. And so, well, don't you have something better to do? That was what was kind of going on in my head. And yet I couldn't stop thinking about it. And thank goodness, with some support and encouragement from others, um, did invest into some cameras and lenses and kind of all the equipment that you need. And I'll say for these last number of years, um, this this creative practice, and for me, particularly photography, but I think in, in any sense for anybody, when you have that outlet, it it provides in very physical terms, a way of paying attention to what you're paying attention to, to, to kind of elaborating on those things that at your essence, at your core, bring profound delight, beauty, wonder, and awe, that this sense of enjoyment um, at the like all the way down to our bones, that it, it I think it does call us up into relationship with God in some of the most beautiful ways that that we have access to in this life. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times when I've over the years as if I've been helping a guy, who just feels like he doesn't have any connection to creativity. Um, I will actually prove to him that through his addiction, he has actually shown that he has creativity. And I will, I will show him kind of on the negative side of how he has used incredible creativity to get away with some of the stuff that he's been doing. Like, oh my goodness, you know, that lie that you told, that was incredibly creative. You know, or that just the idea that you can use the, even that creative aspect of being made in God's image on a negative side to mm -hmm. be deceptive or to be deceitful or to do things that in a way that you were never designed to do. And a lot of times when I'll share that with a guy, it's like his eyes open and he realized that's not the purpose for that creativity. And I think that's really what we've been talking about here. Like, the purpose is for the good, the right, the beautiful, right? Which is being a reflection of, of God. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love to, to, to talk just a little bit as we've got a, a few more minutes here. Um, 
about this idea of created creativity, giftedness, and then what does that look like maybe in the recovery space for guys who have they've they've traveled through freedom from, meaning they're no longer engaging in their acting out behaviors. They're really experiencing freedom for by discovering their giftedness, their purpose, maybe even tapping into their creativity. What do you think that looks like coming full circle kind of in the recovery space for those who are saying, how do I begin utilizing all of these things? Not in just a like ROI kind of way or just a production oriented way, but in terms of the 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 way in which we were designed to ultimately give what we have received. What is how have you seen that work out in your own life? How do you see that? And what is, what kind of connection does that ultimately have to joy? Because we don't talk enough about that. We think joy only comes in the freedom from like, hey, I'm no longer doing that, right? Mm. How can you describe the difference between the joy of freedom from and the joy of freedom for? Yeah, gosh, a bunch of great questions in there. Um, you know, I think it is, it's important to even circle back a, a touch to that topic you brought up where so many people will kind of latch on to the word creative and and disassociate disassociate themselves from that that kind of direction. I'm not a creative person. I'm not an artsy person. I don't paint. I don't draw. Whatever we make those associations. When I think it's absolutely essential that we we begin to expand out the domains of creativity, our understanding of what being creative can look like, so that it it encompasses the whole body. You know, I think of um, that verse uh, in scripture where. Uh, we talk about in, in 1 Corinthians that that we're one body with many members, meaning that that out of all the different personality types and people, we have differing interests and focus and focuses and interests and and that's by design. And it's not meant to be that everybody is a photographer, a painter, a musician, or whatever. And so, in some ways, even just recognizing some of those differing domains, um, being that that some people. Are, are, are gifted in communication and listening, encouragement, development, um, a starter or an initiator, they're an ideator or a vision caster, a builder or a maker, maybe it's hospitality and hosting or caring and nurturing and healing, organizing, teaching, educating, growing, providing, stewarding. Like these are kind of bigger picture categories that inside of those, there's there's endless opportunity to be creative in those spaces. So I think of like my my mentor who now in his 70s, he's been a lifelong single guy who's really dedicated his life to be in service to in particular young men who've grown up without fathers. And so this this gentleman, Mark, who's been a mentor to me, he is so enormously gifted in the area of encouragement and hospitality. And so I think about that as an abstract and go, oh, well, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's like, sure, you can encourage and you like to have people over or whatever. What big whoop, no big deal. In reality, in practical terms, his gifting in that impacted my life in such enormously profound ways where in seasons of doubt and despair and disillusionment, I knew that Mark's home was a space where I could go and be be offered the encouragement of somebody who would listen and just sit with me and be present without having to force anything or expect me to get over myself. And he also knew how to host in this way of creating an atmosphere of warmth with, with incredible food. He's a great cook and talk about creativity just in that space alone. 
So I bring up that example in, in that it's easy just in language to kind of paint a picture of to kind of almost like suck the life out of those things that in reality hold so much more meaning and value than I think we even have language to express. Those experiences where when I think about that the verse in Luke, um, when, when we're admonished to do unto others as we would have done for ourselves, that really is a question in some ways to think, okay, what is it that I have so deeply and richly benefited from, from the relationships in my life? What were those people doing? And then to flip that around and say, well, how is it that I might bestow that gift onto another person in the ways that I'm uniquely gifted through those creative acts? Um, and it kind of, it almost like reclaims and harnesses that value and purpose. And I think we need to be intentional with that. And, and when we engage in that process, I think in very practical terms, we end up in this in this space of joy to go, gosh, very vulnerably, I recognize that I had this this gift and it's easy to undervalue it and kind of set it to the side because it's just what I do and whatever. It's not as good as this other person or this, you know, this thing I saw on TV or whatever. And yet there are times when we just say, you know what, I'm going to do this thing. I feel God calling me towards it. And I'm just going to I'm just going to go and do it and see what happens. And the kind of relationship and reaction that 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 comes from that like in in the example of mark his investment into my life literally changed the trajectory of my life path in ways that in those particular moments might have been invisible to him and to me in some sense and yet you could feel that this is exactly what was supposed to be happening that that sense of joy and meeting somebody else in their place of need layered on top of this is what Mark was gifted to do. It's like all of that swirled together into this just this joyful, just joyful moment where you felt as though heaven and earth were coming together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's the ultimate sort of process that God designed us for is that as we are coming out of this brokenness and we are learning how to live into our design and into our gifting and all of that, that there is, there's meant to be a fulfillment and a satisfaction in living deeply within exactly how God made us to live with the purpose that he's given to us. Mm. So Zach, as we, as we wrap up today, just what, um, what kind of words of, of hope or maybe even challenge would you give to anyone that's listening that is maybe maybe still stuck in freedom from and and they're listening to us and they're going man I, I I want to take a next step more towards freedom for what would what encouragement would you give them and then also um, where can folks go to learn more about uh, your ministry Yeah, uh, so I think another great question uh, another another example a relational example comes to mind. Um, that even for me right now, as I push more into my own practice in photography and the the joy and excitement and adventure that that brings me, um, there's opportunity for connection with other people um, in that process. So that like even as I experience joy, it's it's not only it's not meant for simply me to just kind of hold onto myself. And so on a weekly basis now, one of uh, one of the men in my life who have just really grown to, to cherish our, our kind of budding friendship and relationship, a, a guy named Dan. We meet together once a week, and it's both for in terms of encouragement um, and just what's going on in life, kind of debriefing and 
just kind of having a space to share, but also for us to be proactively um, kind of in the promotion of each other's freedom for whatever that is. And so in my case, like it meant during this past summer, building a set of 48 frames and learning how to to like have the glass and the matting and everything cut to put on an exhibition of my images. It was a massive undertaking and one that I was so privileged to share like all of the tedium and the minutia and all the like messy stuff in between with Dan week by week to say he would check in and go, how's this going? It felt so good to have somebody aware of what I'm, what I'm joyfully giving myself over to in my creative interests and the same vice versa where I'm being gifted in this relationship to, to, to be in pursuit of encouraging and promoting Dan as he pursues um, his writing music and his development. He's a coder and develops video games. And he's got all this stuff that has just been in for years kind of sat latently and is now like coming alive. I say that, like share that example, because I think for somebody, for anybody who's in the midst of or even coming out of this Freedom Four season, I think the development of vision for the Freedom Four to come is necessarily relational. It's not something that we discover all on our own. And there's a joy in and of itself to be asking of even one person that we trust, that we appreciate, that we respect to allow them space to speak into our life, to to see for us what we might not be able to see for ourselves yet, because it is coming, because God has that vision in place. And, and he works in and through the body to, to bring clarity, to you know, talk in photographic terms, to bring to higher resolution what might be kind of fuzzy in the present moment. And that process is inherently relational. So I hope that's an encouragement as just one step to say, I'm going to be vulnerable, honest, and real about where I'm at and choose to share that with another person to say, I feel this energy, this capacity kind of growing in me, but I don't quite know how to channel it. What do you see in me? Just as one step that I might take to discover more of what God is is bringing to my table, is bringing to me in this next step and season of life. Um, there's, there's, there's miraculous unfoldings uh, that take place in, in those spaces. That's for That's sure. That's great. And where can people go to learn more about the Nathan Project? So NathanProject.net. Uh, we've got, that's our website. We've got resources there, contact information, all sorts of good stuff there. Um, and, as, and, and also if there's curiosity for my photography work, you can go to ZachEllisPhotography.com. Um, and I have a, a photographic series there now that's really kind of the culmination of of years photographing while thinking about this very theme, wrestling with purpose and meaning and and what might I give myself to as a way of remembering and redirecting gaze back towards God in the midst of this life that we live here and now. So those are the two places, you know, that referenced. Um, and there's, there's certainly opportunity to connect uh, individually as well. Um, contact information for me is available on both those places. Yeah. Well, Zach, this has been great. I think it's uh, it's always an encouragement to me to hear somebody else that also wants to paint that grander vision and say, let's not stop at just trying to eliminate uh, negative sinful behaviors, but actually let's live into and live for uh, what we were actually designed to, to live into and live for. And so I just really appreciate that. So thank you for being with us and sharing uh, all that you've shared today. Mm, Jonathan, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.
Well, listeners, we're going to put all that information in our show notes so that you can go there and you can check out Nathan Project. You can check out Zach's photography. Um, We exist to help you take your next best step on your journey to fullness in Christ. And so please reach out to us that we might be able to help you on your journey. And we're always glad that you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.